are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? Always the wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, it's Talk To Me Tuesdays, so I'll be playing a crossover that I did with uh, the host of Locked On Mets, Ryan Finkelstein, last week, where we talked about Taiwan Walker to the Mets, and we talked a little bit about the D-backs offseason and prospects to watch out for, but, we, but before I play that conversation, I just want to talk a little bit today about Merrill Kelly. He went out and pitched yesterday, made his spring training debut. And we got some Cole Calhoun news. I'm going to talk about both of that today before I play the crossover between Ryan and I. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I rate to the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, let's get into that conversation where I want to talk about Cole Calhoun and Merrill Kelly. And we're going to start with Cole Calhoun because it looks like Cole Calhoun tore his meniscus at spring training, it was a partial tear of the mis- of the meniscus, and it looks like he's going to be out possibly three to four weeks, possibly up to six weeks, and that is just huge for the AZ D-backs. He is probably going to miss opening day, but better that it happened now than when the season actually started. Even if he misses a week of the season, that's still, it, it, it will be meaningless in the end because Guys, let's not forget you play 162 games in baseball. So overall, missing him for the start of the season won't be a big deal. You just hope you just hope that he comes back healthy and this is not one of those lingering injuries. A meniscus tear nowadays usually isn't that big of a deal. You can usually come back from it pretty quickly and be okay and bounce back pretty quickly as well. So I'm praying for Cole Calhoun that he bounces back and you know has as good of a season this year they had last year, but now that leaves who is going to replace Cole Calhoun. We've seen Trace Thompson, the brother of Clay Thompson in spring training. He's been pretty good. You still got Dalton Barshow, who showed some chops last year in the outfield. And the same goes for Paven Smith, friend of the podcast. He's been on before. Uh, he was on the podcast a few months ago. I don't necessarily want to see him out uh, You know, in the outfield. I think he's better as a first baseman than a corner outfield. Same for Dalton Varsho, but I think Varsho's a little bit more athletic, so I can see him doing it. So it really, for me, is going to come down to Varsho or Thompson or even Tim LeCastro, depending on if Kittel Marte is playing second base or not. If Kittel is playing, uh, if Kittel Marte is playing second base, then I'm probably going to have Tim LeCastro in center field. But 
If Ketel Marte is in center field, then LaCastro becomes an option in the corner outfield as well. So you got some interesting options. Paven Smith is probably my least likely because he's the stockiest of them, and I think he just fits better in the infield. But I'm always down to see what he can do out there. I think he he might have the most consistent bat of any of those guys. So any of them, uh, I'm going to be happy with what Tori Lovello chooses. We'll see how spring training goes, and he'll probably make his decision off that. But right now, Nothing is set in stone. I don't think any of them are, are front runners to take over the Cole Calhoun spot. But now I want to switch gears and talk about Merrill Kelly because it's been a while since we've seen Merrill Kelly on the mound. He made his spring training debut yesterday. And remember, it was the first time Merrill Kelly has pitched at all since undergoing thoracic outlet surgery thoracic outlet surgery and he looked pretty good yesterday on the mound Uh, a lot of people are talking about his velocity because you know Merrill Kelly is a little bit of an older pitcher that you know he still might be young in baseball this might only be his third year in the majors but he's 32 years old so Merrill Kelly's no spring chicken as some would say but He's still young in terms of his career, and he was really good and effective yesterday. He only went two innings in a start, allowed two runs as well. He gave up a home run, but he struck out five. And the the biggest positive from Merrill Kelly yesterday is his velocity. That His velocity looked pretty impressive yesterday, and that was a, a concern people might have had after his thoracic outlet surgery, whether his velocity could bounce back or not. They said it would take time for his velocity to bounce back and it looked pretty good yesterday he was sitting in the lower 90s and he even topped out at around 93 to 94 so he was able to get it up a little bit he's not a guy who's gonna throw 97 plus 98 plus but if he's able to hit 94 miles an hour maybe once in a blue moon hit 95 that will be really impressive but Merrill Kelly was so important to this D-backs team last year There was, you know, for a while, there was a real question. Who was the best D-backs pitcher on this staff last year, Merrill Kelly or Zach Gallen? I think over the long haul, Gallen proved out to be the better pitcher. But by the time that Kelly did get hurt last year, he had a 2.59 ERA, and he was just an absolute stud last season, a walk percentage of only 4%. Dropping from 7.3% in 2019, his K percentage went up to 23.2% after only being at 20% in 2019. And if you look at some of his splits in 2020, Merrill Kelly was absolutely shut down with runners in scoring position. Opposing batters only hit 182 against Merrill Kelly when they had runners in scoring position. and only had a 614 OPS. And when Merrill Kelly was ahead in the count, batters only batted 125 against Kelly. And get this, had a 296 OPS. Merrill Kelly was absolutely, absolutely shut down with runners in scoring position or when he was ahead of the count. So Merrill Kelly absolutely dominated last year and he didn't do it with power pitching he did it with location and finesse and if he could do that again this season that's going to be a big boost to that d-backs rotation because there's a lot of question marks surrounding that d-backs rotation as i always say because madison bumgarner how much of a decline is he really in he's still pretty young so only about 31 years old but after last season is he instilling a lot of confidence in anyone Luke Weaver, we still don't know exactly what his ceiling and potential is. He showed a lot of flashes in 2019, and then 
basically was the opposite kind of player in 2020, was the epitome of not good in 2020, just absolutely couldn't go deep into ball games and struggled his third time through lineups. And then who's going to be that number five starter in the rotation? Caleb Smith. Is it going to be Corbin Martin? We know what Zach Allen's going to be, but if Merrill Kelly can be the guy he was last year and be, you know, a top three, four guy in this rotation, that's going to definitely raise the D-backs chances to be competitive and maybe make the postseason. We know Zach Allen is going to be a Cy Young pitcher, but Merrill Kelly, I'm not saying he has to be a Cy Young pitcher, but if he's 90% of what he was last season, which was Cy Young caliber, then the D-backs are going to have two Frontline starters who are able to mix it up with any team in baseball, and they might not have the name cachet behind them, especially a guy like Merrill Kelly, who's a 32-year-old junior pitcher, considering it's his third year in baseball. You could call him a junior pitcher. He's entering his junior year, but either way, if Merrill Kelly's back to being the Merrill Kelly of last year with a Zach Gallon, the D-backs are going to be a lot better than I even expect, and I'm Super pessimistic about the D-backs. I'm not a guy who has high hopes for the D-backs this season. I'm kind of taking away my expectations and hoping they just, you know, play above what their talent may even be. I think they can play above what their talent is, but right now I'm not going to have any expectations for this team. Right now I'm expecting this team, if anything, to not make the postseason. So I hope they prove me wrong and that can all start with a great bounce back season or not even a bounce back season, but a great comeback season by Merrill Kelly. Now, Ryan and I, hosts of Locked On Mets, will get into some Taiwan Walker conversation. But first, I want to talk to you guys about rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts your car will ever need in a traditional chain store front. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy, in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're covering everything you need about the Diamondbacks, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Braskowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into that conversation between Lockdown Mets host Ryan and I about Taiwan Walker. Didn't realize that. All right, Mets fans, going to continue to bring you some more Taiwan Walker coverage. I'm excited to be joined by Miller Thomas, host of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. How's things going for you over there? 
It's going good. Uh, I know around a lot of the country, you know, there's some pretty poor weather, but out here in AZ, I wore t-shirts and a short today, so I'm thriving. <laughs> yeah, people who listen for a long time know I live in Florida, so as I was just telling you, so I'm not worried about that weather either. We're doing fine down in South Florida. There you go. So I want to talk about Taiwan Walker. And mm-hmm. this is a signing that I'm warming up to the more I think about it. You know, you look at what Taiwan Walker did last year and some of the you know, advanced metrics weren't kind to him. But the more you dig into it, this seems like a pitcher who really still has a lot of upside. What I want to talk to you about first, though, is in 2017, he comes over the Diamondbacks in a trade. Mm-hmm. At the time, was that considered more of a Taiwan Walker trade or a Kettle Marte trade? I think it was considered more of a Taiwan Walker trade. I think he was more of the prize possession in that deal. I think Ketel Marte was, of course, we look at Ketel Marte now. He struggled in 2020, but he was a real superstar last year. But I think at the time of the trade, he was more of the unknown factor. And Taiwan Walker is definitely more of the headliner. Is definitely the bigger name. And Taiwan Walker had a little bit more, you know, he's shown a little bit more potential, I guess you want to say in his short time with the Mariners. So at the time of the deal, I think Taiwan Walker was definitely the prize possession, but I mean, with hindsight now, I think we would change that to a uh, Kittel Marte. I would think so too. But the first year, I mean, I was looking at the numbers right now, 2017, he pitched to a three, four, nine ERA made 28 starts. Things looked really good in 2017. Didn't they with Walker? Yeah, he was a beast in 2017, and the prior two seasons, he had an ERA above four, but he was in the American League. He came over to the National League, and he pretty much had his best full season as a pro. Like you said, 28 starts. He had a 3-4-9 ERA, and he was really good for the Arizona Diamondbacks that season. He was one of their better pitchers on the roster, and that year, they had a pretty loaded rotation, honestly. That was the best version of Robbie Ray. You had a Zach Greinke on that team still dealing, Patrick Corbin, so Taiwan Walker was like the number four starter for the D-backs that season, and he was absolutely dealing. So, you know, seeing him now in the Mets, I think you're going to be pretty excited with him, honestly. Now, what happened, obviously it was the Tommy John, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I was still a little bit surprised even looking back that he got non-tender, that Arizona didn't tender him that contract and keep him around for his last year before really hitting free agency. Was that just simply financial? Yeah, I think it was mostly the financial reasons and because of the health concerns. Like you said, in 2018, he pitched three games and then they said he had a UCL tear and he had to get Tommy John. They said it was required. He came back, pitched one game the next year. That was it. We saw basically 2017 Taiwan Walker. He was really good that year. The next season, he had Tommy John. Then the season after that, he only pitched one game. So we really didn't get a lot of time spent with Taiwan Walker. And I'm pretty disappointed because he was so good. And the contract that they were estimating he would have got only $5 million. So it's not like he would have broke the bank if we did decide to keep him. And that's just kind of the story with these small market teams like the D-backs. You'd rather save that $5 million, uh, $5 million instead of, you know, maybe gambling a little bit more and getting a potential upside guy like Taiwan Walker has proven to be. And I'm not even sure. I mean, he went back to Seattle, got traded. I don't even necessarily know exactly what Seattle got back from Toronto, I'm sure it wasn't much, but I mean, that's another example of small market team. You could have got a prospect if anything by hanging on to him, but I, I yeah, guess who and, knows, you know? Yeah. And at the time of that deal, I was playing fantasy baseball and the dude who had Taiwan Walker dropped him. So 
I went in, scooped up Taiwan Walker, and he was dynamite for the Blue Jays this past season. Got me to, you know, the the conference finals, I guess you want to say. Almost made it to the, the championship round, but Taiwan Walker is a big reason I at least got that deep in my fantasy playoffs. Yeah, those, those, those six starts in Toronto, he was awesome. So I, I think that's what Mets fans are looking forward to. Ryan and I will get into a little conversation about Taiwan Walker's arsenal and which D-backs prospects to be on the lookout for this season. But first, I want to talk to you guys about BetOnline because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on, most, on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKEDON. All right, all right, all right. Let's finish up that conversation between Lockdown Mets host and I. What about his arsenal can you tell us about that kind of stands out with what Taiwan Walker brings to the table? Yeah, Taiwan Walker is not necessarily a high strikeout guy. He's usually around 20% for his career in terms of his K percentage, but he's just a steady Eddie kind of guy. He's not going to give up too many home runs. He might give up some hard contact, but that barrel percentage, especially in 2017, only 4.9%. So dudes just weren't getting the ball to the bat. Just weren't getting the barrel to the ball, I should say. I think I said it backwards. But Taiwan Walker was pretty dominant in 2017. He's a steady Eddie kind of pitcher. I think he's got real upside of a number two kind of dude. Maybe maybe a number three on some dates. But I think he does have the upside of a potential number two guy. And he does have a pretty nice fastball. It does sit usually in that mid-90s uh, you know, range in terms of his velocity. And I just like his overall arsenal. He's got the fastball. He's got a little bit of a slider as well that's pretty effective. And he does throw a changeup too, but he hasn't thrown it really too much recently. It was kind of more uh, of an uh, effective pitch uh, earlier in his career. But either way, I think he has a really good curveball. He's got a really good fastball and a really good slider. So he at least has a really strong three-pitch arsenal. And if he ever mixes in that that fourth pitch with the changeup, then he has that really complete arsenal that you want to see from a pitcher. But either way, I think he has the ceiling of a guy who could be the number two starter in your rotation, probably the, the, the floor of a number four starter. But either way, I think he's pretty high upside and he's still pretty young. The dude is only 28 years old. He feels older than that, but the dude still has his whole prime to go. So for a team like the Mets, he might be what your fifth or sixth starter. That's really phenomenal depth, honestly. Yeah. I think it's kind of, a comp that I made the other day, not that they're similar pitchers, but more stages of their career. I think for Mets fans, it's almost similar to where Zach Wheeler was, where you have a former top prospect who showed something, has the Tommy John that kind of derails them. And then we saw as Wheeler got a few years removed from that Tommy John, the best really was yet to come. And now, unfortunately, the Mets didn't resign him. And now 
the Phillies are enjoying Zach Wheeler being that type of a top of the rotation arm. But I look at Walker and I say, why can't he really become who he's supposed to be as a former first round pick and, and really outperform what's a pretty team friendly contract. Yeah. Really the main difference between a Taiwan Walker and Zach Wheeler, you can at least say Zach Wheeler went to the Phillies and he was getting 20 plus million a year in terms of his contract. And Taiwan Walker was just not going to be paid that much money. No one was going to give Taiwan Walker 20 million after two years of injury riddled seasons where he barely pitched. So I could kind of see the Phillies not wanting to put that kind of investment and money into a player like Zach Wheeler, who's even shown that potential and upside, but Taiwan Walker, $5 million. He's shown you the upside. He can be a number three, number two starter in your rotation. It honestly baffled me that the D-backs non-tendered him. And I, I wish we kept him because he would be a valuable part of this rotation right now. If he was still pitching in Arizona. Yeah, he would be. And I think the Mets right now, they got him at 10 for this year, seven for next year with a player option of $6 million for a third year. I think it's a great contract. I want to switch gears and just talk a little bit about the Diamondbacks. Um, right now, we were talking before, and your, my old friend is Drupal Cabrera is over there <laughs> apparently. Didn't realize that. What's this offseason been like for a small market team? Uh, it hasn't been interesting, I'll tell you that. The offseason for the D-backs basically started two weeks ago. It kicked off with Joaquin Soria. Then they did the Drupal Cabrera deal. And then they just wrapped it up with Tyler Clippard just last week. So basically, the offseason has, hasn't really been that fruitful. The D-backs still have a lot of holes. We don't know who's playing center field in 2021. There's still a question mark about second base, too, because Ketel Marte's manning second right now, but if there's not a center fielder, then you might have to put Ketel Marte in center field. Now that creates a hole at second. So a Cabrera definitely feels fills some of that hole because he can play kind of everywhere in the infield. So if they do decide to platoon Ketel Marte, he could play in center. They could put Cabrera at second, but still the D-backs also had questions about the back end of their bullpen. I guess they addressed it recently in the last couple of weeks with Joaquin Soria and Tyler Clippard, but still those are guys who are definitely older in their careers I think they're both in their mid-30s I was looking at it the other day I'm pretty sure Tyler Clippard's like 35 Joaquin Soria might be older than 35 as well so they're two very good established back-end relievers but they're both older so if they both you know fell off this season I wouldn't be surprised if the wheels fell off and there's still so many questions surrounding this team the starting rotation who's going to be in there what kind of bounce back seasons are we going to get from guys like Bumgarner and Ketel Marte so right now for the D-backs the offseason wasn't too fruitful, and I'm heading into next season with more questions than answers. And especially when you're talking about that division. I mean, you're seeing Jesus. the Dodgers and the Padres. I, I don't even know. Maybe it does make sense to kind of hit the reset button and go to a little bit of development. And what I want to kind of leave you with here, I know I just saw you had a Ram on your show recently talking about prospects. Give me a couple of names of budding stars for the Diamondbacks that we should kind of keep our eyes out for. Yeah, I think for this season, the guy you probably want to watch out for in terms of like budding guys is probably Dalton Varsho. He played a little bit in 2020. wasn't that good, but we could just chalk it up to the pandemic season, shortened season. It was a weird year. He's one of the top prospects the D-backs have. He's a catcher, but he's got some 20-20 potential, got some pop, can hit you 20 home runs, and steal you maybe 20 bags as well, which is pretty rare for a catcher. Needs to get better defensively, but since he was already on the roster last year, played like 30-something games last year. I think you could see him again this season, especially if Carson Kelly doesn't make that leap. Maybe he 
uh, su- uh, supplements him as the everyday starting catcher. And then the other guy you probably want to watch out for is Corbin Carroll. He's just been flying up their prospect ranks the last couple seasons. Just last year, before the 2020 season, guys probably had him outside the top four in the D-backs farm system. Now he's cemented as a consensus number one. And he's a guy that we might see in 2021. You never know. As I mentioned earlier, there is no center fielder right now for the D-backs. It's a wide open hole. So if he has a good minor league system or minor league season, not system, and the D-backs or, you know, or just getting no production from their center field position, look for Corbin Carroll to make the jump to the big league and potential potentially, you know, get some good reps under his belt this season. Well, those are a couple of names to look out for. And I think one thing that I've learned is you never know with the Diamondbacks. It seems like every once in a while, everything can gel and they can end up taking off. So maybe the Diamondbacks turn in a better season than we're expecting. That's it for this edition of the Locks on Diamondbacks podcast. And remember, if you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but giddy over prospects, we have the podcast for you. Locked on MLB prospects hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Arm Layton is the only podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. From team-focused farm system breakdowns, prospect rankings, and interviews with some of the brightest up-and-comers in the game, Locked On MLB Prospects is the best way to stay plugged in on the future of your favorite team. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to come back tomorrow because we're definitely going to be talking more about spring training. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!